Dungeons and Doobies. Hey, Dungeons and Doobies contains spoilers for the following content. Anything we talk about, whether that pertains to D&D or not, so get ready. Hey there, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Doobies. I'm Ian. And I'm Hunter. And we're just a couple of guys kicking down doors, smoking pot and Remo Sriracha. How's your day going so far, bud? Uh, Early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than that, you know, it, it's... It's not too bad. I've had I've had much much worse, uh, and I'm excited to talk about D and D today. Yeah, I'm gonna go see some magic later. Woo-hoo. So I, uh, you know, I, I can't. How can I be in dour spirits? Right. It's uh, I can't. It, it's gonna be a good day. Yeah. And it's uh, it's gonna be a good couple months. That's uh, that's what's yeah. way it's looking. We're we're looking up here in uh, in Reno a little bit. I mean, the heat's kind of dying like a little well, bit in the a, sense where like the wind's picking up. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's, it's not, like it's it's, it's ninety. Yeah, but it's bearable. but there's like seven mile an hour winds. Although so. I will say this weekend uh, during our session was probably the hottest I have been no. all year. Oh, all year. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, we've definitely no, no, had a hotter no, no, session. No, no. Like, we've definitely we had a hotter session. session. Last year, we had some really nasty yeah. ones. Uh, but this year, that was definitely the hottest session. I like, we went over to my parents' house afterwards, uh, and like, I sat down on their couch and just like almost fell asleep because of yeah. like the heat exhaustion. Well, I mean, it's a comfy and, like, couch. That too. I also like didn't drink any, really drink any water during the whole session. Oh, you got to drink water, bro. Yeah, dude. Well, I, I just get distracted. Like, you know, yeah. I bring food to eat, and then I don't eat it just, because I get I'm gonna get. I'm going to get you a camelback. <laughs> and any time your monsters are on initiative order, you have to drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably not a bad bad thing for me to do. It's like as soon as I finish my turns, I just yeah, take just a drink of water. Be- like, beginning and end. Yeah, Might right, as well. Right? Just get it done. Because uh, you got to get that water in. That's important. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, being a bigger person like me, the amount of water that I need to be drinking is so much more because, yeah. you know, you're supposed to some like they gave us some bullshit statistic last year during on a, one of our newscasts. It's like you need to be drinking like half your body weight in ounces. And I'm like, Jesus, that's like 150 ounces. My but, dude. That's, but that's also crazy <laughs> because, well, OK, so 150 ounces. Uh, what is it? 16 ounces. Oh, no, no. That's that's weight, not volume. Yeah. Um, ounces is god damn it well, i know this eight, i know this i was just doing this in a cup there's eight fluid ounces in a right? cup something like that yeah so okay but but a liter okay there we go that's the measurement i was going for a liter is like 33.4792 yeah so let's just call it 33 mm-hmm. you know so 150 that's five liters yeah it's just under five liters yeah, it's essentially i need to drink five of my um hydro flasks almost or, or four or two and a half of my hydro flasks a day are, are hydro flasks a liter they're like 40 ounces they're the one that I've got is for you. Got ounces. it. Okay. Yeah. Then there you go. Yeah. yeah. It's like I need to drink like two and a half of those a day, and like I I get like one and no, a half. No, like four because forty ounces like thirty three. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot of water to drink in a day, uh, and yeah. not feel just totally. Well, and it's not the whole just time. drink it, but actually consume it yeah. and absorb it, and, and not just chug sips. it down. Because yeah. if you chug it down, it's just going straight to your stomach. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about. So how this has now become a health right? podcast. Yeah, you know, this is us uh, surviving uh, the the Reno desert, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we had a great session this weekend. Um, it was uh, a nice little test session for me as well to roll out uh, using Roll20 for maps. A lot of fun. Yeah. Weird I, at uh, first. There was some, there was some uh, technical communi- hiccups. There were some technical hiccups, communication hiccups. Yeah. You know, uh, but having the map on the screen for you guys to look at, it was... It was really nice. Uh, and I've shown you what the Dungeon of the Mad Mage map looks like now. 
uh, with the air, just the areas that you guys have revealed, uh, and you can see how fucking confusing me having to try to describe this is. And Chunk mm-hmm. has actually done an amazing job, no, he, like based seeing, off of my you descriptions. That I was like, wow, like ninety. 90- seven percent of these shapes are exactly the same maybe there's an extra 10 feet here maybe it's an extra five feet feet wider here but like this is almost spot fucking on he's been doing a really really good job with those maps yeah Um, and i mean this kind of does eliminate the need for him to be writing drawing the maps out i hope he continues well Um, i hope he continues to a certain point because then it's like because i know megan and i are gonna do it mm -hmm. because like well I'll say that I'm lazy. I don't know if Megan's lazy. <laughs> but we're, we're kind of in that same mindset where it was like, well, can, like I, I can totally see, like, can we, can we just, like, scroll back, like, yeah. three frames to where, <laughs> and then, okay, so we'll go back this way, and it's like, you, you can't do that in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, actually, uh, actually, in 2019, you can do that in real life, <laughs> but that's not the point. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't do that in uh, a fantasy world, but... Yeah. I don't know. I, like, if we had Google ma- Maps. As much as I am, like, I want this to be that, like, super classic dungeon crawler where you guys don't know, blah, blah, blah. It's mm. it's also a lot of extra work and description that I'm not really all that good at yet. Well, um, but via your descriptions, Chunk was still able to accurately reproduce maps. Therefore, now with the roll 20, if we continue doing that forward, yeah. Chunk's just going to be like, wait, just give me, like, three more seconds and then just be like... Yeah, it'll you know like, it'll be a much quicker process, and I mean the the uh, the DM screen that I have for Dungeon of the Mad Mage, even like it has in there like if someone's making a map, just show them the map. It like it doesn't mm-hmm. even say like have to make a check, a it cartographer have, check or anything. Nothing. Like that. It's just yeah. like just show them the map. Right. Um, and it's it's a like it takes an hour to draw where they've been through the map so far, and I'm like, oh, that's. I mean, okay. I, I, it's like I have a I have someone who took cartographer's tools right. in my group. But what is like, what is the okay? It takes an hour to copy down where you've been. What what is the are there distance limitations? I just, on that? It doesn't it doesn't say, anything, it doesn't like say that. anything like that. Yeah. So it's like it's like yeah. You guys could explore the entire could, map and then be like, okay, it would take an hour, it, 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 right. or or we could decide to. I mean, I would traverse from that, but. or we could decide to traverse a hundred feet and then say, all right, I want to create a map of what I just said. All right, well, the DM screen say it takes an hour. You know, yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, mm. and that's why I'm not I'm not really going with that. Like, I like having um, Chunk make those uh, the cartographer's checks. Cartographer's They're checks. Fun. He he enjoys them, uh, and especially because it's unique. We haven't had somebody who's actually like actively making maps and right. I might, you know, who knows if he wants to like try to copy those maps and sell them to adventurers. Like that's a totally like an avenue of business he could go down. Yeah, and like yeah. make money on the side by selling adventuring maps mm-hmm. of these dungeons. Like no, absolutely, and like and, I you mean, know, he puts how- a disclaimer that it, you know dungeon is subject to change, but like right. Wait, that includes pathways path like the like the pathways of the dungeon will also change it could Ooh, yeah that's, i mean because it's magic right yeah exactly Hallister can change so like that's I never that's, really thought about it on that's that one level. of the cool things that like i it even has sections of them i'll show you once we finish mm-hmm. the first level there are sections of the map that uh like technically they end it's a dead end on the map normally but, but it leads off to the side saying like this is an area where you can expand upon this level 
Ah, uh, oh, it, that that was a huge thing with yeah, like, Mad Mage. There are a whole bunch of different sections where you yeah. can just like if you want to add something, here, add it here. Yeah. So that's an, another cool thing is if I come across a one shot that I really want to run for you guys and I can't figure out like because uh, I wanted to run with your characters or whatever, right, I can right. just throw it into a level of the dungeon. When you guys take this left turn, you are now in this one shot. Right. Totally. Like, totally. It's, so it, it's a lot of really cool Some, stuff. Like something that. something like the um, Elf Spain uh, dungeon could have been a offshoot. Exactly. Absolutely. It could have totally fit you know, inside it, of Mad Mage. Level wise and everything else like that. Yeah. Totally, totally fit. Like, cause that, like, especially if it's deeper in the dungeon mm-hmm. um, and you're expecting your players to take a certain path. That's a deadly encounter. Yeah. Even though it was the one that we ran was meant for level three characters. Just the exact same thing ported in there mm-hmm. at the end of a dungeon for level five characters. Still fucking deadly. Yeah. Like you if you're, you're, you've already used the majority of your spells yep. things. Because I mean, that's, and, where we, and that's kind of where spells, we were. Resources in general. I mean, yeah. And that's kind of where we were in Elf Spain. Speaking of mm-hmm. which, let's just let's, let's jump just go in. into it. Um, so Elf Spain. This so we is, won. Uh, we won yeah. D&D this week. <laughs> uh, so this is another one of those one page one shots um, that I grabbed off of that uh, that. Uh, directory page that yep. we posted before. I'll post it again in the link uh, for Elf Spain. Um, but it was an awesome adventure. Uh, this time I didn't really change anything. Uh, this was uh, essentially all of it came from the dude who uh, originally wrote it. I forget his name off the top of my head. I think it's Scott something. Um, I was grabbing my pot Scott out of the Ma- drawer. Uh, yeah, Scott, Ma- Scott Marsley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, fucking awesome adventure. Um, and it's just, it's so essentially there is, uh, Elf Spain is this spear that uh, the mechanically how it works out is that it does, it deals double damage to elves. Um, but it's, you know, I, I spoke up of it. It's, like, it's this large artifact that um, Connor, uh, his paladin Rakad, uh, is part, is part of the, you know, paladin's order. Uh, his uh, elder Scott and this dude who leads like, um, a super mysterious elite faction of his religion, uh, Bartholomew, ask him to go in uh, and get this artifact because his, your team had been successful in driving off the troglodytes. Right. Um, so, you know, he thinks nothing of it. And he's like, sure, let's go do this. Um, it's so this thing can just six weeks the, or something like that. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's a couple weeks between the troglodytes and this uh, event here. Uh, so the party sets out, um, and they, uh, using some, uh, some good roles and some, uh, good role play of like finding some books in town, end up finding the, uh, location they're trying to find pretty easily. Uh, cause there was, there was a chance you guys could get lost and there was a mm-hmm. random encounter built in there, but you guys rolled really well. Yeah. Um, and you got there, it was, took, took about a day and a half. Uh, but they arrive at this boxed Canyon and then they're coming in on a hill, but they can see down below in a camp of orcs and, uh, they initially just try to go in and talk with them. Unfortunately, these orcs don't speak common. They only speak goblinoid, and none goblinoid. of them spoke goblinoid. So um, while the, the attempt at uh, a parlay failed, uh, the combat ensued, and uh, they learned real, real hard that like orcs don't have a lot of hit points. But when they hit you, they hit like a goddamn truck. Yeah. Um, and I was I was rocking pretty hard with those orcs uh, in that first combat. But you guys managed to get through it, uh, spreading yourselves out, and you know, well, using that, shit that to was your the advantage. initial the the initial disadvantage for specifically for Zach because mm-hmm. uh, so I've I'm also a DM uh, at certain points in my life, and I've never run an orc. 
Uh, so that was that was a fun moment where like. Because there's a lot of times where I calculate with metagaming, but I'm like, fuck it. Like, I'm far enough I think away. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be fine. Did not know that they had a charger ability. Yeah, they have aggressive, which means yeah. that they can use their bonus action to move up to their speed again towards a target they can see. Yeah. A uh, hostile target. And that, uh, and and that they just fucking fucked boom. me up. Yeah, they just they're essentially just fucking speeding around the fucking I was battlefield. flanked for like three rounds yeah you managed to get a out. warlock with 24 hit points <laughs> i i don't I, think i actually dropped anybody this game um i got close to dropping all no of you, yeah i i don't think uh, i actually except for eldith because of the wild shapes i don't think i got well no she had six hit points at, the, at one point she was really yeah no she, she was still into, in bear she was still bear yeah she, well she went in she went into her bear shape oh at right six at, hit at points. six hit points. yeah because yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. the first round of combat those orcs came up yep. and like fucked her day <laughs> and that was fucking bonkers <laughs> yeah uh but yeah no we we got we got through it i um other than that one hex I cast the entire game, I used all of my spell slots on Hellish Rebuke. I cast Hellish yeah. Rebuke three times, and it was effective, man. Like, it, it was effective, especially at certain as a moments. warlock, because it you know, at the end it was the most effective. But yeah. the first one, the first one I did, I was hoping like, okay, I'm just gonna knock out this orc, and I rolled like six damage. damage. Yeah, you got you know with three d ten, yeah, three d ten, and you just and rolled like six damage. <laughs> I was like. Fuck. <laughs> It happens, though, because that's yeah. what was happening to me. I could hit you guys, but then was rolling really shit damage. I was mm-hmm. rolling, like, ones and twos when it got to the zombies. Uh, anyway. Right. Uh, so they finished this combat. Uh, they decided to take a short rest because they did get pretty fucked up. Uh, Zach uses some of his healing abilities. He's got this uh, the healer feat, which is pretty fucking awesome. That was great. Um, um, I realized I should have used that on myself before. That, like. That's that's the thing with you know some of these healers feats and and if you ever watch uh, I think I brought it up last week or or I just brought it up to Ian last week uh, outside of the podcast but the dungeon dudes have a great video on how to play a healer in certain uh, topic conversations of just like saying it's not so much about getting people back to full it's about getting that you know at certain aspects yeah th- right? there are times when it's about um, getting them to full and just there are times when it's up, like getting them back up or know? getting them to a healthy point so that they right. don't just drop back down immediately afterwards if you have a chance to use hit dice you know use them etc 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 yeah people, i digress I, like, go and listen really to the video it's about great using hit dice no uh, and it's like it, you, you that's what they're there for they yeah. it's it's like air quotes free healing yeah like you don't want to waste them like if you're no. pretty close to you know being he- full health maybe don't use your hit die but as soon as you right. drop below half health yeah you should probably just use, at least use one you know um, unless you're something like a warlock with cure wounds like myself yeah, like which, then yeah okay use those two spell slots if you haven't used any spell slots yet but then those and are then your spell take a slots. short rest yeah well, and then maybe if you're planning on taking a short rest, like do that. That way, people can use less hit dice. Maybe you use less hit dice. Whatever it may be. Exactly. But um, you know, it, it never. Like I don't know. It, it's a great video. I can't explain it enough. So go ahead and uh, let them explain it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that healer feet was pretty clutch. Healer feet is clutch. The unicorn, or well, it's it's just the um celestial the patron. celestial uh, warlock. Yeah. yeah. But um, but you specific to Zach unicorn. Yeah, I chose I chose uh, a unicorn. When, when it tells you that you can have a unicorn as well, a yeah, patron, why, why, why would, wouldn't you? Right. Uh, especially if you're choosing celestial. If you're yeah. choosing anything else, you know, whatever. But, That's fine. Yeah, you do you. Maybe throw your sword in like a pit of lava. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I actually haven't even watched the episode. I just watched the talks because it was I was watching Twitch. Yeah, and, and just, then and then it like I was like, oh shit, it's six forty five. It's Tuesday. Well. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah, dude, it's pretty nuts. Like, yeah, the no recap accent. was I was just like, <gasps> yeah, Ford's no longer talking with his accent. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so uh, they fight off these orcs. They take their short rest. Um, they and then they uh, they see that there's this switchback trail. That leads up into um, a cave, a cave, uh, which they enter inside and they find out it's not just a cave, but a temple to uh, this. Uh, or Og- uh, Gar- Garmish? What is uh, it? Well, there's Grumsh, which was the. Grumsh. Which was the. He, that was just the statue that was there. This temple was more to Thrug the Unyielding. Um, it's, it's his burial chamber. Um, but that statue was of Grumsh, uh, because that's the, the God of the orcs. And it's essentially right. saying that the God of the orcs is protecting this place, which I never knew that, but I know of the one eyed Grumsh work, yeah. uh, like monster stat. Mm. And I was just like, Oh no yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah, there where, we go. There we go. From. They're, the, yeah. they're like touched by Grumsh one. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so they enter into this, uh, temple and uh, the, initially they enter into this room and all they see is, uh, like, there are some pickaxes lying discarded on the ground, and there are, like, some gouges into the walls where it seems that these orcs have tried to, like, make headway into uh, further There's into the dungeon. There's brute strength break into the walls. Yeah, but uh, we're un- unable to do so. Um, and they go and they in- inspect this statue, and they notice that there is a two-inch diameter hole uh, for esen- in the hand for- to essentially, like, hold some kind of spear or something to, you know. Yeah. It looks, it looks like it was missing something. So they go around and they find a, I think it was a pickaxe that was sitting around, and they managed to right. find one long enough that goes well, and sets that, into the ground. Yeah, uh, I had mage hand the bull ring nose. It, yeah, because there was a, a and you said it had given some give, and I was like, just a little oh, okay, bit of a pull. It's just a ring, and then but then we put the pickaxe in, yeah, and, and then Megan click. remembers, and mm-hmm. I was like, because then oh, they try pushing shit. on things, they try doing other things, and then Megan goes, I pull on the the nose ring, and I was like, oh. Yeah, it was. Uh, I lo- I loved that immediately you picked up on the nose ring. Like that's yeah. got to be something. Then forgot about it. I totally <laughs> forgot about it. I totally <laughs> forgot about it. And then when she was just like, and I was like, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. That's yeah, it. and it was perfect. Uh, opened it up, and then they entered into this room where there were uh, a staircase, both to the left and to the right, and above uh, was a mural of a, like a night sky with a singular eye peering down towards them, and on the walls surrounding were orcs in supplication with their hands raised to this Mm -hmm. eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they decide, look, well, let's go check out these staircases, and they head down the one to the right first. Uh, And as they head down the steps, they enter into this long uh, hallway. They adventure to the end of the hallway, and they can see that there is a door at the end of said hallway. And a a little bit of serendipity from uh, Zach, he doesn't trust this doorway that he sees just sitting here and he asks, he uses the mage hand it's, to go over and try it's to It's the open number the door. one reason that I would take mage hand in real life if I could get any cantrip <laughs> in the fucking world mage hand. Yeah. It's it's a it's a fail safe for I I don't trust this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so he uses the hand to go over and open the door handle. And it pulls on the door, but the door only moves about three or four inches. Mm. And as it pulls, they can hear uh, something like some something <laughs> gears grinding in the background. <laughs> and as it opens, the uh, the ten feet in front of the door, which luckily no one was standing on because Zach was like, "Hey, I don't trust this." A pit, ten foot square, not ten yeah. foot line, by the way, guys. Yeah, ten foot square. Uh, it drops down into a spiked pit trap, and at the same time, six stone doors 
shunt up into the ceiling and zombie orcs emerge. And this turned into a bit more of a combat than I was expecting because I, you know, I forget about that undead fortitude. That just it keeps was, them going. I, I like, and that was the thing is that I kept attacking because I couldn't remember how they worked, but I was like, fuck it. I'm a celestial warlock. Mm-hmm. I have, I have a little bit of holiness on my side. Yeah. This is undead. I'm just going to go with my radiant damage mm-hmm. when I could have been doing Eldritch Blast all the time. I don't think you saved damage. from a single sacred flame, though, so it's not like it really would have mattered except for a maximum of two more damage. Yeah, I because th- uh, they, they have they have a low dex. I don't think I saved from any of the sacred flame. Yeah, ones. and that was because the way that undead fortitude works is it uh, it you know they uh, it's they have a DC of five plus the damage that yeah. they can make, and if they meet that DC, they come they stay up at one hit point. Yeah. Uh, unless they are hit with radiant damage or a critical hit. Right. So. Yeah, uh, and then, so that was a huge reason using the Sacred Flame, but I couldn't remember exactly how it works. So I was like, I'm just going to stay with this as a failsafe. Yeah. But I think I only got like two kills. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, I could have been doing more of the damage with the ra- uh, with the Eldritch. Yeah, well, and then that's the gamble you you take. Is exactly. Like, do, I take, do I do the more damage to hopefully have them fail the DC to remain alive? Or do I right. take the almost, if they fail, almost guarantee that they're not getting back up? Right. Exactly. Uh, and there's certain levels of um, and our uh, vulnerabilities with radiant damage on certain undead where... With zombies, they're not vulnerable. Yeah, they don't take any damage, extra damage, but, but it stops them from vulnerable. Back. Air quotes to coming back. Um, you know, same thing with. Uh, well, this isn't an undead, but like trolls, if you hit them with fire damage, they can't replenish hit points, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, it's something like that. It's like, uh, how do I weigh my options? Yeah, you know. Uh, well, and especially with the trolls, the only way you can kill them is fire. Is because with fire, yeah. Even yeah. when they drop to zero hit points, they regenerate ten hit points the next round. Right. Um, cause trolls are nasty. Yep. Uh, but, uh, they end up fighting these, uh, orcs or these orc zombies and, uh, they all do pretty well, especially, uh, like Connor. Uh, he was thinking of the right things to do. Uh, he was debating on using some of his divine smites, but it's, you know, he'd already used a spell slot earlier on uh, shield of faith. Um, mm-hmm. I think he used another he one used in that combat. Yeah. Uh, which great uses of, uh, mm-hmm. Of that spell. Because you typically don't see paladin spellcasters. You see paladin smiters. And smite it. Typically. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And it was great to have him casting those spells, but then he was like, shit, now I only have one spell slot left. Right. It's like, what do I do with this? Because I know know I'd be able to take out one of these guys, but it's only one. Yeah. And like, that's my, that's it. That's my nut for the day. Right. I got nothing left at that point. I have no more spell slots. I, I'm spent. Yeah. And he did a really good job of like understanding that like there's conservation to this because he's, he's not a warlock. It doesn't, you're right. not getting that shit back. See, on I, short I was rest. just about to bring that up though. Like, it would, it would be great if Con, if this wasn't Connor's first character and he was a little bit more um, sassy mm. in the sense of who I take some warlock levels. Yeah. Right. You know, cause we're good. Cause so, cause he's rests. coming up yeah. in the water deep campaign. Mm-hmm. He's going to be level six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's like, dude, take the fourth level paladin, and then take. Uh, you're not going to get your extra attack, but if you take two levels of warlock, that's two el- two more first level spell slots that you have on a short rest. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to smite, you can smite, bro. Yeah, that, uh, might, that might be a direction to take later. But uh, uh, definitely, I mean, at, at this point, definitely later. Especially mm-hmm. since this is his first character, I would like. You know, I this is my first multi class character, and and you know what. 
I love it, but I also hate it. Yeah, because you 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 you've got your specialties, but you're also not as good at those things as you could be. Because the thing is, is that I really want to bring in my grave cleric, but yeah, it's one, it's a homebrew class or race. Two, um, I want to see what I can do with Gizzard. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's I know new, I can wreck shop with it. You know what I fucked up with though? Mm. You know what I just fucking found out about? Because mm. I actually finally read uh, Skag. Yeah, the arcane domain of cleric. <laughs> That's what Gizzard is. He's just an arcane domain of cleric. Uh, it's too late now. Yeah. Oh no, it's way it's way too late. But I'm like, damn this 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 is the class I was trying to create. I just didn't realize it fucking it existed. existed. Yeah, of course it does. Because well, that's and the then one I found out that, about the Blade Singer Bard, and yeah. I'm like, oh man, these things are sick. Yeah, it's the one book that neither of us have really looked too much into. I'm pretty sure it's, it's the first supplement book it release. It, yeah. it, it, it is. Uh, but you know. We we weren't also playing when immediately when everything came out. So sure. like, uh, we sure. were initially just we're focused what, on the year and a half books. behind, uh, or no more than far, that, more than that because we didn't four years behind. Yeah, it's been out for a while. Yeah, uh, but uh, so that, uh, we continue yeah. back on Sorry. to this. <laughs> you know, we just keep getting, going on these tangents. You can tell we're passionate. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so they uh, they go and they search around after defeating these zombies, and they. You know, like, shit, well, this seems to be, the, like, a dead end. Okay, fuck it, so let's head back. So they head back up into that central chamber and head down the left staircase instead. And it leads them into a room with two sarcophagi in it. Uh, and they search around the room trying to find another exit, another door, but there's none. Which we're going to preface with that every, like, moment before this sarcophagi room, us players checked for traps. Yeah, every single step Every of the way. single fucking step of the way. Until we got here. Until we got here. Where the traps were. And then... <laughs> uh, so uh, they actually have a really cool idea about how to take the lid off of the sarcophagus to to try to avoid being hit by a trap. Yeah. And that was that both of... Um, the the druid and then the warlock that had thorn whip exactly. due to the Tome of uh, both, Shadows. Both use thorn whip to uh, hit it and pull it off, which I was like, that's a fucking... Go for it. Like, that's yeah. an amazing use of that spell. Don't even need to, like, make a check, really. Like, right. Just make sure you, you can hit an AC 10. Mm-hmm. Like... And both hit, and it pulled it off. However, uh, the trap mechanic on that one was that as soon as the lid gets removed, scythe blades shink out and attack everything within five feet of it. And I I asked like three times, are you guys satisfied with where you're you're standing around here? Oh, no, totally. Like, yeah, I we was, were like, yeah, yeah totally. I, think, I think we're good. Yeah, I was okay, cool. And then yeah. they all got hit by it. Um, but they go and investigate inside of the sarcophagus. And Rakad finds a uh, a large ruby worth about 100 gold. Mm-hmm. And also, rummaging around, finds a trap door in the bottom. So he opens it up and drops down in. You guys, uh, being Eldith and Zack, decide, well, there's this other sarcophagi in here. We might Let's, as well see what's in it. Yeah. And So we stand in the same exact place. And do the same exact thing without checking for traps. But a sarcophagi, which is uh, about 10, 10 feet away. 10 feet away. So they're figuring, yeah, it's just going to be another scythe trap. We'll be okay. Yeah. Nope. No, nope. uh, this trap was. Uh, I think it was two d four plus two. Okay, and uh, so was it like the? So it's a square room, like yeah. from every single every wall, angle, just from every wall. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just pin spikes. Yep, some fucking so essentially shit. a whole bunch of darts shoot yeah. out of the walls at them. Yep, uh, and I just was like, God damn it, guys! Like if you just checked for traps, yeah, <laughs> but we didn't. Especially after getting hit by a trap, I was like, they'll check for traps this second time. No. Nah. It's okay. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to have moments like that because then players like Connor, who are new, can be like, ooh, I, I really do need to check for traps. Yeah. 
and it looks like these guys are going to be checking for traps. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so after the trap springs, they both decide to follow um, Rakad down into the hole. Uh, and they make their way through. And about halfway down this little corridor that's there, another trap happens. Uh, Rakad gets to use his uh, shield mastery, though, because it's a dex save, and manages to just nuts. take no damage, both of the spears hitting his shield, and he just moves through the space just fine. Uh, I believe Eldith made it through and you got hit or was it the other way around no i got hit yeah because that and then that was the start of me being at less than 10 hit points yeah and at that point i was at like seven or six mm-hmm. and then i was at i thought that was after the block because you survived the block oh i did survive the block so then yeah. it had to have been after the block yeah because yeah. uh they go around and they they uh, get past this little like shield or spear trap and they manage to disarm yeah. it after they get through uh, they get to the top of the staircase. That there, there's another large staircase, an even larger staircase heading further down. And they're like, okay, cool. Let's just head down this. But they decide to look for traps this time. Not in the right places. No, we we don't. We find zero traps. <laughs> uh, it's because you check for traps at the top and not at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they get down and they get halfway down through the staircase and they see another doorway. That looks exactly the same as the one before. And Zach, being cautious once again, sends the mage hand out. This time, though, I get on my belly prone. Yeah. Just in case there's some slot, some size or some darts. And uh, he pulls on it, and another 10-foot pit trap does open up. But at yep. the same exact time, at the top of the staircase, a uh, a hidden compartment in the ceiling opens up and drops a stone block down into it and it starts sliding nope. down the staircase towards them the crazy thing is you're asking us like what do we do and we didn't have anything to do yeah i mean like you guys could have tried to attack well, it at the and... at the time at the time of what we knew we didn't know what we do zach wasn't zach and Eldritch weren't gonna be able to attack it you know like I mean, seeing... hit it with eldritch blast that's true you know yes. it's forced damage. um yeah like, if anything that would uh like because there was a damage threshold on it i think i made it like seven or eight but that would have been the one that, that pushed through it it, would, no, it wouldn't have affected the damage threshold would not have affected it because it's force damage so it would have just had the hit points as opposed to a thresh and then hit points exactly yeah yeah that's smart i'll remember that for the next time i play a warlock which will be never well, uh, I mean, <laughs> if you could just end up with eldritch blast somehow you know, yeah should i mean there, there is a lot of ways to end up with that spell <laughs> uh but um but what's funny is, you know, in, in retrospect, hindsight's 2020, is um, I was literally right fucking next to the secret door. Yeah. Yeah, there was a secret door that uh, had they inspected around, they would have found and could have avoided setting off this trap or run, entirely. Run into the room. Or ran straight into the room and avoided getting hit by the block. There was always yeah. a way around it. Uh, but once again, uh, it's a deck save. <laughs> so Connor's yeah. able to use shield mastery. Uh <laughs> Which is fucking, it's <laughs> like, I probably shouldn't have let it work, be, but the mechanically, it has to work because it's a deck save. Yeah. Uh, it's he essentially just, like, flattens himself against the wall and hides behind his shield as this block of stone <laughs> just, like, <laughs> yeah, crushes just... down the hallway. And he takes, I'm pretty sure he saves again and takes no damage. He took no him. damage. Uh, At that point, though, like, I mean, if you're trying to play in a more realistic setting, I would say, like, depending on the dimensions of the room, 
Like the block fit pretty snugly in it. He, he should exactly. have been able to use it. But if anything, he can deflect the damage from the stone. But maybe he's getting pushed. Yeah, maybe he's taking push damage like a D four or something mm-hmm. like that. Being dragged you across know? the wall. Um, dragged across the wall. Yeah. If if we had theoretically, if we had had that secret door open, and mm-hmm. then the stone is finally getting pushed into that uh, alcove, and he was still there, maybe uh, roll a. D4, see if you get pushed into the room or if or you get pushed push into, into the pit. Yeah, and then the block you know? lands on top of you. Exactly. The and, and, then and then you're dead. dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they manage to survive by the skin of their teeth, uh, and they find that secret door that we're talking about. Mm. And uh, inside is a treasure chest with a decent amount of uh, silver pieces and yeah. uh, a horn of bravery, which... Um, which Zach took. Yeah, and essentially it's just you get to cast heroism out of it once a day. Yeah. It's a great spell. Yeah, and you know it's it's a little it just a little like bloop. You get get a little bit of extra hit points. Yeah, feel a little bit better about yourself. That's something that you didn't mention though, which is because uh, I was I was always planning on giving any. I called dibs because I wanted to be a little snot. Yeah. Um. But uh, you were was, planning on giving all the. I, it items. was always yeah. going to go to Connor. It was always going to go to Rakad. Always. Yeah. Always. You know. Uh. But um. Something that wasn't like denoted in the magical item was. I mean, it's a horn. Yeah. I'm assuming that you have to play the horn in order to cast bravery. Mm-hmm. Like, how far does this sound travel? You know, like 30 feet. That 30 was, feet. Okay. Was, instead of touch, because that's what heroism no, is. No, 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 uh, no. How far does the sound oh, resonate? The sound resonate? You know, like, oh, can yeah, people. No, like 300 like, feet. Okay, because yeah. I was going to say, because there's a lot of uh, spell yeah. Yeah, things no, like that. Thunderstep, Thunderwave, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To 300 feet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's like in a dungeon, that can be very dangerous. Yeah, it changes the range on the spell. From touch to 30 feet. Yeah. And I was thinking about making it like a certain number of creatures within range get the heroin heroism cast on them. But I was like, eh, that's a little bit too OP for how low level of a magic item this is. Ooh, um, but you know, it's, it, you it, know it what you really could cool do around that? that? Quick homebrew rule. Mm. If you wanted to try to implement something like that, maybe half your proficiency bonus. Yeah. You know. Like one plus half your proficiency bonus. Because then at a minimum certain point, it's maximum four. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, because I was going to initially say just proficiency bonus, but then at a maximum, that's seven. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a maximum lot of... four, though. Mm. That's at level 17. Yeah. That's not unreasonable, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe on a different horn I make later. Yeah. Uh, but uh... let's get a horny. All right. So, uh... <laughs> so they head back and they're, they're a little confused at this point because uh, there, there seems to be no way forward here. However, uh, with the falling of that block, it shook the temple and a little bit of plaster from the ceiling fell down uh would we have been able to try and break through that before yeah okay because i because i was not sure because i like i remember seeing the eye and i was like i feel oh i told you this at the end of the session i thought it was similar to like a, like an invisible door mm. you know and it was like it was just like a a, a veil that yeah. you can just walk through and it takes you to this next place um and uh, but I was like, I don't. Yeah, I'm guys, not like, seeing enough here for it, me to to attack it or yeah. or to to move through. I don't I don't see enough clues. Had you guys like prodded it, it the plaster would have fallen then. Interesting. And then you would have like, seen the tile stabbed it with a sword yeah, or something. Yeah, or just like knocked it with a ten foot yeah. pole. Anything like that, the plaster would have fallen. Interesting. Uh, and that's where I, ha- I had it built in. Like if you went down that trapway, that stone being dropped would m- remove some of the plaster, and you would notice that coming back into the room, especially having been in there twice before. Um, because like, otherwise, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. And you guys can't figure out where else to go. Yeah. Uh, but they managed to, uh, they, they noticed this, they head up in, uh, there's like a ceramic tile that's behind the eye. They clear away the plaster around the eye, break through the ceramic tile, 
climb up into this little alcove uh, that leads them into a hallway that opens up into a grand chamber, which mm-hmm. in the center of which they can see built on a throne of like skulls and um, like other like bodies and shit is the mummified corpse of Throg the Unyielding. And next to him is... Uh, Oh. <laughs> Kills, I am burning up. Uh but yeah, um so they enter into this chamber and uh they find uh the spear of Thrug the Unyielding and uh through a, a cl- pretty clutch use of uh what are um, uh, Eldritch Sight. Eldritch Sight, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. See that inside of the throne, there are also a couple of magic items. However, before they can really take any steps to retrieve these items, out of the shadows above, because uh, they enter into this large room and there is a uh, like a ledge about 12 feet up. Right. And, you know, being, you know, there's nothing really to look around at. They, they look up and they can see that there was an earthquake here and that there was a giant crack that goes through the floor, ceiling, and walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's rubble, which in the we top. all thought was a pitfall. Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 no. it's yeah. just cracks. It's just there, <laughs> which for was aesthetics. at no part on your description. Yeah. <laughs> we just assumed. Well, it's a pretty yeah. good assumption. Yeah, uh, but in the future, if that's going to be a thing, there will be black. black. Yeah, <laughs> which is another fun um, usage of roll twenty, yeah. like being able to see, like, like okay, see, so the gray boxes that you're talking about, your the twelve foot ledge. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was something that was on the um, like application like on the software that was mm-hmm. like this is a space that you can click on and try to do things like i didn't realize yeah. that it was a raised yeah it's literally, area it's literally, literally i just changed the color of the squares yeah. so that it would denote that there is something above this when and... you were talking about the ledge i thought it was the mo- the, the outermost square of the white squares uh... and so but i mean this is this is something that while the first time it was very confusing going forward with the roll 20 like oh cool now we know instead of you drawing your your lines and it's mm-hmm. like well you see how these go up as opposed to down and it's like well sometimes it's on they, well, certain they drawing it, it, they both look up yeah you know like which is a no again no fault to you it's just how things go yeah and we're not used to certain um demarcations on maps mm-hmm. you know like e- even though that skis has cartographer tools chunk doesn't yeah exactly you know? um but uh out of the top of the sh- the this ledge, out of the shadows, come these spikes that just <laughs> hit everyone in the party. Yeah. And they see up on this ledge a manticore, and it lets out this giant roar, and we enter into this boss combat. Uh, first th- thing that ends up happening, really, is that... Um, I got... I thorn-whipped. Yeah, thorn-whipped and pulled the uh, manticore off of the land Into the what ledge. I thought was the pit. That, yeah. that was, like, the huge thing. That was the yeah. moment when we realized. It's like, no, that's just a crack in the yeah. ground. Um, <laughs> good try, though. Yeah. That, that, that was using your noodle. I was like, oh, I'm in within range. It also has wings. Right. Which, you know, <laughs> we didn't... Which you didn't bring up until the end of the combat, but yeah. that was another. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so... They, uh, we ended up, the, uh, they pull them down, uh, the Manticore goes next, it flies up and it attacks them, then flies up into the air and... To its full height. Uh, the full height of the room. Of the room. Because it's got a 50 foot fly speed. Jesus but, Christ. Uh, yeah, it could only get Was up to CR5? 25 feet. Uh, CR3. Three? Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, you know, it, the, the battle ensues, uh, they managed to, uh, it, the, well, it was the Hellish Rebuke. 
you rolled really. I, I hit you with a, a tail spike in the air, and you rolled really, yep. really high damage on mm. the hellish rebuke afterwards. Like, oh, it was like twenty something damage. Yeah, and no, and that was that because I also had a hex. That was my last spell slot. That was towards the end of the combat. Yeah, and uh, that's that's what start. And that was it. Pissed the manticore off, and it yeah. flew over, landed down in front of you, and uh, then the par- rest of the party ends up managing to rush over, and we kind of corner it air quotes yeah and they get flanking uh and I, well i allow there to be flanking and then we talk about it after the game and you like, know the, uh... the way that flanking really works is that it has the way reason you're getting advantage or a bonus or whatever is they have nowhere to play, go it's because they have nowhere to go they are surrounded you got wings it's got wings and it wasn't trapped vertically yeah, I you should, have somewhere to go. You can take three opportunity attacks. But you have somewhere to go. Or yeah. you take an action to disengage, just like p- the players can. Exactly. And it doesn't get hit. Don't they have uh, legendary? No. They no. don't? They're not, they're not high enough. Level oh, I thought, I thought they had like one legendary nah. action or something like that. No, no, no. They just have three attacks around. Gotcha. Um, That's fucking bonkers. Yeah. And then they have, what, like 30 needle spikes or something like 24. that? 24. 24? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and But, you know, they're just using them in rounds of three, so they go pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so the, you know, that's like a little mechanical thing that like at the end of the day, it didn't really matter all that much. It would have been like one or two more rounds of combat. You guys probably still mm, would have come out, but one you, or two more rounds of combat. I mean, the only reason we were staying up though was because of Eldith's healing spirit, yeah, which was pretty clutch. Cause I mean, Rakad was back up at full hit points by the end of the battle. Yeah. Like you guys would have succeeded. Uh, yeah. but I think he had what he had five lay on hands left. I had two unicorns left yeah. um i had no spell slots by the end of it because i knew i needed to save think, those for damages i think eldith had one or two spell slots at the end but was u- mostly using the wild shape yeah that was it was fucking nuts. but they managed to successfully defeat uh this manticore it was a pretty gnarly combat and then they break open the throne and they find some pretty awesome magic items uh there was one that is a cloak of gliding yeah, that, that um, sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's essentially uh, as a reaction, when a creature starts to fall, they can uh, activate the Cloak of Gliding, which then gives them a glide speed of 60 feet for one minute, mm-hmm. uh, after which it collapses and you plummet. You can use this feature once per short rest, I think is what I made it. Right. So, uh, or I thought I thought you said long. I forget. It's written down. But, um, however but can you, it. when you're gliding, can you move? laterally or do you have to move diagonally down you like you are you are moving down uh essentially because of how gravity works but you can move you know anywhere horizontally in that downward fashion because it's like a hang glider you're you, okay. will, you will constantly be moving down unless you hit an updraft let's say i'm 30 feet up mm-hmm. and i use my 60 feet to glide in whatever formation right do i have to drop at least five feet uh you will drop you will probably drop that thir- almost all that 30 feet. Right. Okay. See, there, and at that point, in my opinion, because like with diagonal rules, right, things mm-hmm. are doubled, yeah. essentially. So it's kind of like, yeah, like you would have to move. You can, you can move 20 feet to the right, but like you have to take like a 10 or 15 foot down. deficit yeah. down. Because you're, you, you, you have to. You aren't flying. You are yeah, gliding. Yeah, you're gliding. Exactly. exactly yeah. Uh, so you're constantly moving down. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like feather Fuck. fall. Uh, I don't even know what. So, like, you'd have to have, like, gust of wind, and you could, like, what if I, like, boost it it up, but then, like... What if Rakad moves before me, and then I cast Fireball underneath Rakad, but it doesn't hit Rakad? 
<laughs> we're getting into the whole like physics thing. Yeah, uh, which it's magic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, uh, it causes a lot of fire and heat, yeah. but no <laughs> physical force underneath. Yeah. But maybe shatter would. But then, Ooh. like, you're potentially breaking everything Rakan has on his body. So. Yeah, like most, most things of glass and whatnot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... Eh. Yeah. Like, all of his healing potions just shatter. Yep. Um, but you got... You stayed up 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he also... They also find a uh, battle axe of return... Or, of hurling is what I called it. Um, and oh, it, I thought you did say returning. I'm pretty sure I called it hurling. Okay. Regardless, it works the same. Uh, and you, it's uh, it's a battle axe that you can throw. Uh, and uh, as a, a ranged attack, it has a, a inner range of uh, 20, 20 and, then, and then outer range of 60. Um, and it, uh, you know, when it hits as a ranged attack, it does 1d6 extra damage. But it also then flies immediately back to your hand. Yeah. Uh, does not require attunement, which I actually makes me think of some uh, some really fun ways to to fuck with that. We'll talk off of the podcast because I know Connor listens to it. Um, I already know where you're going with yeah. this. Yeah, uh, it's I pretty. Know it's pretty awesome. If you're if you're thinking what I'm thinking, it's pretty fucking hilarious. Really um, wish, really wish I had a bard right now so I could <laughs> do some cutting words. <laughs> um, but. Uh, it's a pretty awesome magic item, and I made I had to like triple check, like, and I went back and actually like opened up the player's handbook to make sure times. I had no attunement. Well, no, not the, the attunement. Oh. That was that was my decision essentially because oh, okay. this is a, a, a homebrew magic item because it's it's throw. Oh, similar. this isn't a dwarven throwing hammer. No, it's oh. a, it's an axe. Well, I thought it was a dwarven uh, throwing hammer. He just made it that axe because then he wouldn't need to have two weapons. No, uh, that also the dwarven thrower has a requirement that you are a dwarf. Uh, that's it's literally in the fucking name. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the only reason Grog was able to use because one of the belt of dwarven kind because yeah. he uh, he seemed as a dwarf. Yeah, uh, to the to the magic item, but uh, no, this is essentially it's uh, it was on uh, one of the wikis, uh, mm. but it's not an official Dungeons and Dragons magic item. Gotcha. Uh, but it, it was pretty well balanced, and I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna." Oh change yeah, that's a fun ass weapon. I'm gonna change a couple things about it, but uh, what I really double checked was that he wouldn't be able to use smite with it because divine it smite says melee. It says melee, yeah. And I was, I had to just triple check because, yeah. like, then it's like, damn, that extra d6 plus all of the d8s that he gets from smite, like this yeah. could get insane really fast, yeah. But it's just the it's just melee, just melee, yeah. and I'm I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but then, you know, it gives him a little bit more agency in doing ranged things. It's not like it has a crazy range. Uh, well, I think that the original, the homebrewed item had an outer range of 100 feet. So it was 20. Jesus. And I was like, nah, that's no. that's a little fucking far. For that's pretty fucking far. Like 60 feet's really fucking far. For you, an axe. you better have like, a fucking strength requirement of 19. For yeah. Something like that. Feet, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's fucking Jesus. hooking it. Yeah. I uh, mean, honest, honestly, even for a battle axe. Yeah. I would. I don't do this. I <laughs> would limit it to forty to fifty max. Well, it's it's a magic item, and that's why I mean, oh, it's, it's magic. You know what I mean? It's like it's not yeah. a plus one, but it is magic. Yeah. Um. Well, it's cool. He'll be able to throw it into a pit of lava, and it won't melt. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep well, referencing you know, that. Maybe because not all magic items yeah. are indestructible, <laughs> as we have found out. Uh. Uh. But yeah, no. Um. That uh. I mean the 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 huge thing for the paladin after I played one for my first Strahd, yeah, was that I did not have any fucking range. Mm-hmm. Zero fucking range. I used my crossbow once. But even then, it's I missed, got loading mechanic. And, and I got mad. Yeah. So I threw my crossbow away. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think he's got a short bow, but I was like, this is a much more fun magic item that gives him some range. Uh, and, you know, it's... Uh, and it also, like, goes to... Like, because essentially... Um, on the fly, I had to make up a town name, and the first one that popped in my head was Felderwin, which just so happens yeah. to not be in the world it, that and we're of, in. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. It's totally not in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, that's definitely from uh, Matt Mercer's campaign setting. Of Exandria. So I had to do some quick math on the fly, but it ended up working out with uh, the way Hallister did his... Right. Yeah. Wetsuits. So, so we so, we defeat the manacore. I, I they, shocking grasp it. And, yeah. And uh, it was it was an epic moment. Uh, it does like a backflip over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually was like some knee. monk shit as a yeah, warlock. It was, it was it was great. It was just like fuck it, man. Make an acrobatics check. Like there's a wall yeah. next to you. Let's have some fun. I with think this. I rolled like a twenty one or something yeah, like that. You really, I, I don't even think it was that high, but it was it was high enough that I was yeah. like fuck it. You do I got something a plus really three to cool. acrobatics. Yeah. I did pretty well. Yeah. It was it was. I think you got a natural fourteen on the roll. So seventeen. That's nice. Yeah. I was like, you don't do anything. It's super insane. But like, but you do it. Yeah. Uh, do like a backflip, slide underneath yeah. it, grab it, sh- electrocute it. It was a lot of Kill fucking it. cool. Uh, uh, a lot of fun. They get the magic items. They head back to town. And while they're in town, uh, Rickard goes and drops off the Elfbane spear. And um, when he hands it over, like, I. Which at I, this, this point, finally... we all thought, or Megan and I both thought we were going to have more time with Rickard. Yeah. And so, like, like, neither of us had given him, like, the gold or the magic items mm-hmm. or anything else that we had gathered. And like Megan and I have both been like, yeah, like we're just going to give this to him that way. Like Connor has a fuck ton of money when he gets to the game. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it works out, but what ends up happening is he goes and he turns the spear in and he gets a weird vibe, which I'm like, I'm so glad he picked up on it. I was trying super hard to mm-hmm. like give those weird vibes and he picked up on it, made an insight check and he got the feeling that like something was shady here. Like yeah. th- that they weren't telling him the full story. Uh, and he goes and he waits outside of the room to like try to eavesdrop on him. He doesn't close the door all the way. He leaves it like just cracked. Right. And I'm like, you know what? You're standing still. I'm Make not going to give you disadvantage check. on this stealth check, but go ahead and roll it. And he rolls the most clutch natural 20 yep. we've had in weeks. Yep. Uh, just like boom, drops it like nat twenty, baby. And he doesn't have any uh, negative, which is yeah. nice. Uh, he actually has proficiency in stealth. He just has does disadvantage he? On nice. It. Yeah, because uh, I, I would wait. I, how does he? Have, oh, because he's a human. Uh, yeah. I've, I've uh, no, I think it's one of his background things. I oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he has stealth uh, as one of his proficiencies. It's just you know he rolls poorly, at right? It because he has to <laughs> roll disadvantage. He gets to add a decent number though. Yeah. Um. But he sticks around, and he listens at the door, and Scott and Bartholomew start talking in hushed voices, and essentially allude to, like, they're going to start mass-producing these spears, and they're going to lead a camp. This religious sect, religious order, is going to lead a campaign against the elves. And as soon as he finds this out, this creepy old man walks up to him with a robe with eyes all over it. He points straight at Rick and You'll do, and pff, transports Just, him yeah. away. And that was Hallister transporting him into the uh, dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is uh, you know like it was fun at the table, but it's also like a, this like essentially a do sex mock in a moment of me being like, yeah, this is how it's going to happen, right? Uh, because I need to get him there, and I don't have a good way of getting him there really. Mm. Uh, that doesn't just isn't super forced regardless. So I was like, cool. Hallister is known to like go and travel the plains to find new, th- new and interesting attractions for, uh, the dungeon. So he's like, cool. This adventurer like has some promise 
and like snaps him away. And meanwhile, Eldith and Zach are like standing down the hallway, just kind of like biding yeah. their time, waiting for Ricard to come down. And they see him like turn, look surprised for a second. We and hear then, the voice, and yeah. then just disappear in a puff of smoke. And he's like, "Wait, what? What the fuck what just happened? Where did he go?" Uh, and both uh, Megan and Hunter liked playing these characters enough that I think we're gonna, you know, maybe we'll get together one of these days and do like some side. Uh, role Hell play yeah. maybe Hell not do yeah. like a full adventure but like okay so what are you guys doing to try to find where ricotta is because that's now their their quest is like we need to go right. find our fucking friend where did he go yeah uh, and uh i didn't say this at the table that day but essentially they're gonna find one clue in the place that he disappeared and it's a tuning fork yeah which uh, it's a spell component for a very particular spell uh which hopefully they can put yeah. the pieces together figure that spell out because uh we've talked about this before with this water deep campaign but a big reason like we're so super stoked on it is that we can change out characters really when people get bored it's a big enough right. city uh like you know maybe you won't have the same level that you had as your previous character maybe you'll be one level down mm. because you know it's kind of hard to like oh well, there's like these shit ton crazy adventurers all over water deep it's like right. they're, they're there but it's not like you know the higher level stuff is where it gets a little bit more like well i mean especially not, the higher level stuff yeah once you get to like level like 10 it's like there's not a whole lot of level yeah. 10 adventurers around but i would like, say like level six it's like and well and especially the way the way that you flavored it with um cod mm-hmm. what you what you said to connor at the end of it was yeah, like so you've come from a more, much more dangerous world and your levels mean more here yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's how it works and so it's like as long as you know the other players at the table namely me aren't creating like 10 more characters like <laughs> yeah you know i don't i i don't really see the the uh the uh unbelievability of yeah. higher level characters you know but like especially with like characters like this like i mean yeah megan and i both had a blast i don't know if i would play this character again especially in this but party maybe, composition maybe as a, a one shot but as a one shot character totally. absolutely and then you, you know, know uh, like she uh, megan had a lot of fun playing eldith yeah. uh just and that's it's part of the reason why I wanted you guys to play classes that you hadn't played before mm. is to open your mind up to this different style of play. Yeah. Just like, a com- you know, because playing a druid is completely different than playing anything that she had played before. You know, she had been focused right. mainly on like frontline fighters. Even her warlock is more of a frontline fighter. Yeah. And uh, she still got to be a frontline fighter, but was changing into bears and shit and right. like fucking wrecking right. shop. It was cool. It was like, super cool. I'm I'm excited to you know, if these characters do continue to see to see what happens with them, uh, and I'm excited that I actually for once got like some inspiration to make up a like a story for someone's background. Yeah, totally. So we had talked about it that you know Connor's character uh, Rakad had some it was like questioning his order and his order's way of doing things. And this is our like way of, yeah, this is why you're questioning why your order's doing what it's doing. Mm. Like they're leading a, they're planning on leading a campaign to murder elves by like the thousands. Yeah. Like you're a human. You don't, it's not like it's personal, but like, it's still like, wait, this yeah. is the pe- these are the people I'm supporting. Like, this is the, this is what I signed up for. Well, and, 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 it's and like, Scott it, and Bartholomew were humans, right? Yeah. 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 Both, both were humans. Yeah. Because um, that that was one of the things that that always gets fucking sketch right is when you don't fully pick up on the description of a character, mm-hmm. and then you find out later like, oh wait, this person was an elf, but they're leading a campaign to murder a fuck ton of elves. Like, who are you? Are yeah. you actually an elf? 
where did you, and if you are an elf, like, what's your story, bro? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. I, I feel like I need to be wary around you. Right. You know? Uh, but yeah, that was our game this week. And besides the heat exhaustion, uh, it went really well. I was uh, super stoked on how well Rolled 20 worked once we got the, mm-hmm. like, the kinks out of it. Oh, that's what I was going to ask about mono- the monolith, uh, the Manicore battle. Yeah. So in that grid of the battle we had, is there any way on Roll 20, because this is something I really wanted to say in the heat of combat, mm-hmm. but is there a way to put like chess grids on it? So it's like, I want to move to A7. Oh. You know what uh, I'm saying? I don't think so. Because, like, that, I fe- like in well, my it, mind, it, I was like, oh, that'd make it so much easier yeah, if I but, could just say I moved to B4. Yeah. You know? Uh, the, the whole thing with it is that, like, uh, you know, the character, the players are, the way that the software is built is that the players are controlling their own characters and not having me move them around the map. That's right. It's You're all supposed to log in and have right. all the tools available. Um, yeah. We're just doing it in a way that that doesn't work out. Uh, yeah. Right now. Yeah, because I mean, if we all had our own uh, devices, it it would have been. I, I move. You move here. No, no, no. I move here. You can't move there. Wait. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Well, oh wait. You could totally move there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and instead, you guys would have had the rulers and stuff yourself. To right. Be like, oh, that's right. thirty-five feet. I moved yeah. to there. Um. So you know, it's just little different things. Uh, yeah. And it, it's going to be some growing pains getting used to it. And like, we're still going to use the the uh, the pull-out maps and minis for, for combat. like combats and stuff like that. This time, it just worked out. And that's one of the bigger reasons it. for combat. Like, because because then I guess I, you you know this. I like to like walk my fingers along the board and being like, all right, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. 30, you know, and like, yeah. all right, cool. I definitely have like at least sixty feet of yeah, range, which here. is a little which is a little bit of mini gaming that I allow you to do because like Matt doesn't allow them to do that now. He's like. Oh, not? You can move and find out, ah. because that is metagaming. You yeah. you do not know the distance to your target unless you move there. What? Okay, so how, so in that mentality, how about instead of counting, it, like it, let's say I take like a single glance and then like the grid were just to be wiped. Theoretically speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like, all right, I th- I think this is within ninety feet. Like that's can, not metagaming, no, right? Like that's, that's then, like that's I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I have at least ten squares here. Exactly. I think I'm good. Yeah. And as long as it, like it's when you're sitting there and you count out each individual square to get the exact range right, so that right. you know one hundred percent that it's gonna work. It's like Yeah. Your character wouldn't know that it's exactly nine like, right. exactly eighty five feet away, so it's within range. Your character wouldn't know that. Right. Without like right. making an intelligence check, which should technically use your action. action. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't really care about that kind of stuff at the end of the day, but it is metagaming because I, yeah, it's, it you know, like your character wouldn't know the exact distance. Right. right. Uh, but like I said, I don't really care. Uh, it's it is important to note that it is that is technically metagaming, but it's not what I consider negative metagaming. It's just like I don't want to waste my abilities before I have to. Right. Um, which sometimes that just that just happens. It does. Uh, but. Good enough places, any uh, to transition on into our smoke break. Yeah. It's uh, a relatively short smoke break this week. We have some uh, Pineapple Express. I don't have the Turp profile with me because I'm an idiot, but uh, it's a really nice, good bud. We got a great deal on it. Uh, but it, and it's, it's you know it's not too sleepy, uh, but it's not also not like that crazy uh, up sativa because sometimes that can freak me out with my anxiety. It just like it you know makes my heart race stuff like that. Uh, but it's a really nice smoke and I've been enjoying it. I've been smoking it like all week, essentially. Uh, 
But as far as like local events going around town, uh, the Adepa truck is still on hiatus. Uh, Chunk is away in Columbia. He should be back this upcoming week. I'm not sure if he's starting right back up, but we'll see. Uh, and he'll let us know, and we'll let you know. Uh, but there are a couple of shows coming up. Uh, K-Wink Reno, uh, Reno Community Radio is putting on a show over at uh, Bebo Coffee Company on Record Street uh, on August 10th. Uh, uh, bug Bath, uh, Acid Reality, casualty, uh, Causality Test, and Heartless Wilderness. Uh, I haven't listened to them any in particular, but I love supporting K-Wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great Absolutely. fucking thing here in town. Uh, and if you haven't listened to them, go ahead and check them out. It's a great radio station with just a whole bunch of local people getting on and doing local shows about stuff that you know people care about here in the community, putting on music you that do, you don't uh, necessarily hear yeah. regularly. There are talk shows. There, it's a whole variety of different things on K-Wink. So give them a check out. Uh, uh, I forget exactly what radio number they're at. Uh, I think I think it's like I want to say it's like ninety four point one. Yeah, it's it's something like that. It's um it's, or like ninety seven point one or something like that. But also it, that's that's ninety seven point seven K wing. So there right you now. go. Yeah, so um, check them out. They do a lot of really cool stuff. But uh, if you can't, if you're not in Reno, then you can't necessarily listen to everything. But I'm I know that they are working on getting a lot of their material online yeah. i don't know if they already succeeded with that with their yeah, last I'm sure, fundraiser i'm not sure either but that's what that's what their um, big thing is that they're working towards or even if they succeeded i don't know if it's in full fruition yet however um you can become a donor to k-wink for mm-hmm. you know i i think it's pay what you can i it might have a minimum of five dollars but i'm pretty but, sure it's just whatever you can afford yeah uh, so like get out there support the local people like even in, if you're not from Reno, uh, like look around. I'm sure you have a community radio station Absolutely. where you're at, and they're yeah. trying their fucking damnedest to put out some quality material that isn't like the mainstream garbage that you're just being spoon fed every day. Yeah. Uh, so give them a check out. Uh, also, uh, towards the end of August, uh, there is a show happening at the uh, Holland Project. Uh, the guy that I've known for a long time, uh, Clark Demerit, uh, is. Got a show with his band Clarko. Uh, Illicit Trade and Shit Metaphor are also playing. Oh, sick, sick. Uh, so it's going to be a real fucking, uh, like, in-your-face mm-hmm. rock and punk rock show. Uh, should be pretty awesome. I might try to actually go to this one, seeing as it's on a Sunday, and I nice. can go to shows on Sundays. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, uh, go ahead and check them out. We'll, we'll probably be plugging this for the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, August 25th over at the Holland Project. Go ahead and uh, check out Clarko, Illicit Trade and Shit Metaphor. Uh, a lot of really good, like, just in-your-face good me- punk rock music. Yeah. Uh, Reno punk. Anyway, uh, our episode is running a little bit long, I see. But we, we got a couple things we wanted to touch on here at the end. Um, for one, uh, we got to mention, at least in passing, uh, crazy shit happened this week on Critical Role. Uh, mm. Ford... Uh, pissed off his patron and decided yeah. to leave his patron, uh, which is crazy. I'm excited to see what happens next. He dropped the mm. accent. He dropped everything. Um, I know you haven't watched the full episode yet, but uh, I haven't. But I watched. I watched the talks, so I got a you lot. Got the most of it. I got. I got the most from the critical recap, and then I got a lot from Travis just talking. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that one moment when it was him and Molly falling asleep in what, like Ashen Field or whatever it was, yeah. um, was a throwaway line mm-hmm. that Travis kind of, because he, he he kind of he kind of reinforced it during the talks this week where he was like, 
I have a lot of long plans and those are always set in stone and I know not set in stone, but they're always like pretty solid and I know what I'm going to be doing with it. However, the, the minutes that I'm freak, the moments that I'm freaking out are the moments that I'm improving something like just straight off the fucking cuff. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I guess I'm going to try and do this right now. Yeah. Like he was, he was mentioning that, um, text blade didn't even come up until, uh, like the night before. Yeah. You know, like he was just like, I'm going to do the Texan accent tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he just decided that like mm-hmm. fucking tomorrow, the day before. Yeah. You know, uh, which, you know, if, if it wasn't him on critical role, I'm sure that he would have had a lot of voice directors been like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Kid? Yeah. You're changing your shit on us. Last yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, but I thought the voice was a throwaway thing. Nope. Turns out it wasn't. Yeah. Um, that whole Vandron moment I mm-hmm. thought was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like, wow, this, I've been trying to find this guy and make mm-hmm. sure he's okay, but he doesn't seem to give a shit about me. Yeah. I don't really matter to him. I get, Oh, okay um cool i guess i'm gonna drop this facade i've been putting on trying to like honor his memory and just go about my fucking business then like Mm. so there was like he lost his uh it's really weird because he like he lost his patron and his whole goal really in 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 one one fell swoop swoop. yeah like uh i really i really liked that and it go and it goes into other things that I had been reading this week with other homebrew stuff and whatnot. I, mm-hmm. I saw a homebrew on Unearth Arc R Unearth Arcana with um uh a classless player character. Yeah. Where you gotta choose certain abilities and all this other stuff with points. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're not a fighter, you're not a warlock, but maybe you're a little bit of both, but you're not call it either, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about how that would actually like come to fruition and how I would see that. And then lo and fucking behold, like, you know, not that I've seen it yet, yeah, but, but I've heard like fucking they just give them all these magic items at the end. Yeah, they, right? give, they give them all the stuff that like no one's really using, but right. like, because he now has no abilities besides he's got a sack of hit points. That's right. what he's got. That's that's all he has. So um, I because I, I, I like I'm interested in this just because I always thought that it would be a transition from one patron to the other. That right. like essentially like he would break his pact with Ukatoa, but immediately yeah. make one then like breaking his pact in the same instance that he's making the new one with the wild mm-hmm. mother was how I was assuming it was going to go. It's not looking like that's how it's going to go. I I don't know. I'm I'm and really curious how Matt does it. It's like you know this would be if he wanted to ever transition into a paladin, this would be the time to do it. But does he get to be a ninth level paladin straight out, or does it, he fucking start at first level? Well, and that's the thing is that. Is he um? Is he now multi-classing first, technically? Is he now multi-classing, and so he doesn't have unless he tie, tries to make it up to Ukatoa somehow, maybe grabbing that last orb. Yeah, maybe. Um, d- is he a ninth level character, but a first level paladin? Right, if or first level that, whatever. And, like, and at that point, he wouldn't be a first level paladin. He'd be a ninth level zero paladin you know yeah. so at 10th level he'd be a 10th level character in a first, first level, level paladin, paladin. and yeah. that would be great if you had cantrips as a paladin but you don't, don't. Yeah. and so it's like yeah you have all these pull of hit points but that's like the it. only way that it seems that he's gonna and be you have a higher to... proficiency bonus but that's it yeah the, the way in my mind the only way it seems that he'll be able to get back to being a level nine actually a level nine player character is by making another pact and receiving that right. magic through that pact again and that was a, I well, actually went back that and rewatched. Him? Would he yeah. have to go through like an exhaustion trial, right? You know. Uh, but I, I went back and rewatched Web DM's video on role playing uh, warlocks, warlocks because yeah. I, I love their series. That's a good. Have, that's a really good one. They have two really good. Like they essentially had two uh, like not 
concurrently running, but you can watch them concurrently where they... How to play and how to role play. Exactly. Yeah. And it's great. There's tons of great material in there. But, like, there's a, you know, a way that you can pl- play the Warlock where, like, the patron is kind of afraid of the Warlock because they are bequeathing them magic that doesn't go away. Like, they are stealing this magic, essentially, from their patron, and they keep it. That's not the way that Matt has interpreted the warlock. I, see, I mean, and that's that's the thing is that I had never even seen Matt run a warlock before because even Zara, he didn't so much run. He just she, she was there. Mary Elizabeth Glynn yeah. or whatever was just a well, warlock class. Yeah, you know, it's, like it wasn't. There's no patron uh, involved. He wasn't doing yeah. all this other stuff. Um, I I have always read right. I have always read a warlock as a sugar daddy. Yeah. Or sugar mommy, whichever you know. I'm but, not you know, here to it, judge. But you know, it 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 just depends on your interpretation. That like the pact is what's granting you the power. So you break the pact, the power goes away. Exactly. Like or you, you, are you fuck over your sugar daddy, that money goes away. Yeah. Or are you stealing this? Like, and because like there's the the whole thing where you can have a reluctant patron. Your patron might not fucking want you, but like you you did the rights of the pact. You have bound them to this pact. So like you are stealing shit from them. I, and that's a way uh, to go about it. I have not thought about it in that uh, light. Yeah, because there's also like the reluctant warlock who's like, I got drunk. I signed a paper. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard of that avenue. Like, yeah. But yeah, you can have a, if you want to, you can role play a reluctant patron. That's like, I really don't fucking like you. Yeah. But you you did the right things. I now have a 15-year-old that just wishes I could meet girls. <laughs> well, buddy, let me tell you, I can help you out. But I'm going to need your first five born children. Right. I'm going to need your firstborn and the firstborn of all your family members. <laughs> Sorry, bub. Little do you know that you, you forget that you were the firstborn of your mother. So, hey. Uh, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, that was a really fucking awesome thing that happened this week. That It, it opens up a lot of avenues for a new story, uh, new role playing. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, but... Hunter wanted to bring this up because this was something that we talked about last time, but we didn't really get to get into the specifics of. And it's the uh, it's another homebrew uh, Ooh, the archetype. field medic. It's yeah, the fighter archetype field medic. Um, and this one is admittedly a bit overpowered. It is. Uh, it can definitely be balanced a bit more. Yeah, uh, and it's a homebrew, so you got to keep that in mind. But so the, the way that this works out is that when you choose this archetype at third level, you get field medicine, uh, and you are initiated into the fundamentals of battlefield medicine. Drawing or stolen a healer's kit costs you no action. As an action or a bonus action, you can stabilize a creature within your reach or spend one use of a held healer's kit to allow it to spend hit dice up to your wisdom modifier, minimum of one, as though it has uh, it just finished a short rest. That's huge in it's the middle of combat. Huge. Uh, if it does, it can't spend hit dice in this way again for one minute. So essentially, you get to use that once per combat, once per combat per person. Yeah, uh, which is pretty great. Um, and then, uh, furthermore, you gain proficiency in the medicine skill, and your proficiency bonus is doubled for this skill. So, like, not only do you get proficiency, you get expertise essentially yep. right off the bat. Uh, so then we go up into seventh level. As your studies progress, allowing for more sophisticated treatments, you gain the following abilities. Paramedicine. As an action or a bonus action, you can spend one use of a held healer's kit targeting a creature within your reach. If you do uh, choose an effect active on the target, which normally ends on either a successful constitution saving throw made on its turn or on a successful wisdom medicine check. 
Make a wisdom medicine check with a DC equal to the chosen effects DC. On a uh, success, the chosen effect ends, which that's pretty great. Like, you can mm-hmm. stop a stun, you can stop a paralyze, like, as long as it requires a constitution saving throw or right. a medicine check. There's not a whole lot of things that require a, a medicine check to, like, the, be saved from. The uh, the only thing that I can think of is a death saving throw to stabilize. Yeah. Uh, but at that point, like, you would just use your field medicine and choking. bring them back. Yeah, who knows? Uh, anyway, uh, it's still pretty great to be able to negate status effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that no th- nothing else can really do. No, and that's uh, pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, besides, like, there are things that you can do to prevent those things from happening. Or to heal them. Or to heal them. Yeah. But not to, like, I was like, shit, I just walk up to you and fucking use yeah. my healer's kit. Um, so then uh, the next ability you get at 7th level is field surgery. As an action, you can spend one use of a held healer's kit to make a wisdom medicine check on a creature within your reach. The target regains hit points equal to the check plus your fighter level. You can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. But that's also crazy because say you roll a nat 20 on that medicine check. Mm -hmm. Like you get that nat 20 and your seventh level. So that's 27 hit points. Yeah. It's fucking huge. Like, from you can be nothing, you know, and it's just within mm-hmm. reach. And granted, you can only use it once per short or long rest, but you can, yeah. that's still once per short rest. Like, that's it's, not bad to bring, like, no, to bring, you know, on average, you're only like, you're going to get like 17, mm-hmm. maybe 18 hit points, but like, that's still better than a cure wounds. Yeah. Much better than a cure wounds. Yeah. Like, because you're almost guaranteed uh, at least, you're guaranteed at least 10 as the way it works out, you know, or if you roll a one, better, you get yeah. eight. Right. Like, you're still getting a decent amount of hit points. That's like a fucking You're guaranteed eight versus guaranteed, you know, let's say that you are average and you have a three. Or let's say you're a high-level player, you have four mm-hmm. on your wisdom modifier. You know, then like you're on, on minimum, you're right. having five. Yeah, minimum five. You like, know, where, versus max. minimum eight. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this 12 one, max versus 27 max. Yeah, it, it's pretty nice. It's a one-time thing versus a spell slot, you know, and... Mm-hmm. there's there's weights okay so so far it's been pretty balanced i mean granted it's you have to have lots of healers kits yeah um and you've got to be pretty johnny on the spot when using those healers well, kits yeah but this is where we go a little bit past like where i'm like i don't know starts, starts getting, getting into a, samurai champion territory yeah so this is swift resurrection at 10th level with a physician's skill you learn how to forcibly wrench the recently dead back to their mortal coil. As an action, you can spend one use of a held healer's kit to make a DC 25 wisdom medicine check targeting a dead creature within range, or within your reach, rather. On a success, the target returns to life with one hit point if it's not undead or a construct, died within the past minute, and didn't die from old age. The target uh, can't be revived in this way again for one minute. So DC twenty five. Let's say that you have a wisdom of three, because mm-hmm. uh, that's you're you're not you're I, not here to be a fighter fighter. You're here to be a healing fighter. Let's yeah. say you have a wisdom of three. Your proficiency bonus at level ten is is four. four. So, so that's have, eight eleven. Yeah. So you need to roll fourteen or higher. Mm-hmm. Not bad odds. Not bad odds, especially because like it's just a use of a healer's kit. It's not a third level fucking spell no. to use revivify. Does it, or... does it say if you try it, you can't do it again? Like you can only no. try it on one person, so you can try it multiple times. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about. It just says that the target can't be revived in this way again for. That's one something that I love about a okay, lot. So that actually, because um, it specifically says that the creature died within the past minute, and you can't try it again 
for another minute. Oh, so there is one. Yeah, you get yeah. one try. See, because that's shit that I love about, um, you know, something like Strahd's uh, Vampire Charm, where it's like if you resist it, you can't do be it. affected by it again for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, effects like that I like because it's such a powerful effect. That if you succeed on not... If you succeed, or if you fail, you're fucked. Ooh, you know. But if you succeed, you're good for a day. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, so that one is, like, it. the DC-25 does make it, like, difficult. Yeah. But you got good odds. You do. Yeah. Like. Yeah, no, 14, that's 6, 30, you have 30, you have a third percent. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, most roles, like, you're, that's an AC you're aiming for, you yeah. know? Like, that's, that, you're, you, your chances are you're going to get it. Yeah. Especially if you can somehow give yourself guidance or, or uh, bardic inspiration, yeah, anything. Anything that adds on top. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to anatomical studies at 15th level. Uh, so at 15th level, you can assess a foe's anatomy with great insight and precision, identifying key points of weakness. As an action, you can make a wisdom medicine check on a creature that you can see with a DC equal to 10 plus the target's distance from you in feet. So very quickly, you will not be able to see shit. Yeah. Uh, 20 feet out, it's uh, 30 DC, and you're it's it, you you got a chance, but fuck. It's 15th uh, level, so you're still at a five proficiency. Mm-hmm. So you know you got a max plus eight. You got to roll. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to roll a number you can't. Or wait a minute, is it? Maybe 14th level gives you plus six, and 17th level gives you ninth level spells. No, uh, eighth, no, it was 19th level that gives you 9th level spells. No, you seven. Is it 17th? Yeah. Hmm. I think. Regardless, the, you but know, it's... It's still a hard... You gotta it's be a close. high. It's a high fucking check. Yeah, you gotta be close. So, like, if you're a fighter, and in the middle of things anyway, it's fine. Um, but if you succeed on this check, uh, you know whether the target has at least half of its maximum hit points, if it's affected by any diseases or poisons, and has any damage vulnerabilities, immunities, and resistances it has. You get all of that, not just one. Right. Which is like, that's... That, but I mean, that's the capstone, no? Yeah, uh, no, there's that. There's still got 18th level. Ooh, that's right, that's right. Um, further, until the end of your next turn, your weapon attacks against the target deal extra damage equal to your medicine skill modifier. <laughs> yeah, so like, th- this is where like we're starting to get like, man, that's a little crazy. Uh, but uh, it, it is a fighter. Exactly. Uh, it's in, and it's cool. I, I I do like it. And but it it's hasn't gotten a single other damaging ability. ability. No, it's all about like other healing. than extra attack and action surge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I it's it's not the most OP homebrew I've seen, but it's definitely right. not something well, gonna, I would allow in yeah. a long term campaign. That's going to be my argument. But once we read through all the skills, yeah, but yeah. Uh, at eighteenth level. Uh, you get Doctorate of Battle. Uh, so your talents at life-saving triage and medicine become legendary. You gain the following benefits. Field Surgeon. When you use your Field Surgery and Swift Resurrection features as a bonus, you can use your Field Surgery and Swift Resurrection features as a bonus action. You can now use your Field Surgery feature twice between rests. Uh, ounce of Prevention. Your Paramedicine feature grants its target advantage on con-saving throws and resistance to poison and necrotic damage for one minute. Pound of Cure. A creature revived by your Swift Resurrection feature regains hit points equal to that uh, that creature's wisdom modifier. Uh, or no, sorry, to that feature's wisdom medicine check result plus your fighter level. So if you make that DC twenty five, that's mm. you know twenty five plus eighteen hit points back on a res. Yeah. That's pretty insane. But that is your capstone. Like you're yeah. you're level eighteen. Like the only thing you've got ahead of you is I think one more ASI. 
as and a fighter. And then what I, I don't And four think attacks. They, four attacks. Level yeah. 24 attacks. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what that's all you've got left is an ASI and four attacks. And so that's the huge thing about this fighter class is that they're not a fighter. They're not. They're a soldier. Yeah. They're a soldier that is a field medic. And there I, I didn't watch MASH, so I don't have an analogy here. <laughs> but um but they are just like this rivals a cleric. Not a life cleric, but no. this rivals a cleric. This rivals a war cleric. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of effectiveness and healing versus effectiveness in damage. Well, effectiveness and healing and still being combat savvy. Because that's like, the thing is that if you're fighter, doing these healing like, kit things, you know, you're either using your bonus action or you're using your action. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing both because this isn't a spell. Yeah. It, you does, know? it doesn't say that you can't. Let's let's or let's say that you're hasted and you're doing both, but then you're also using one of your actions dash mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. You're you're moving around this you take mobile, whatever. Uh th- this is the fucking field meta, capital letters on all of these. Uh and that's what I love about it is that it doesn't promote it's a better, damage. It, it's it doesn't a, promote damage. It's a better field medic than the paladin is. Because that's essentially what there you we do. go. There we go. That's what you use a paladin for with their lay on hands. Yeah, if you use them to boop, bring somebody back up from zero. That's you, really what you, you have use a little them bit for. of a tank. And like this person, they're they're going to be rolling d tens. They're able to wear um, plate. Mm-hmm. They get a fighting style, which means you can take defense. defense. Yep. You or know, protection or protection. Like depending you on know, what which try, would be great. Trying to fuck. Yeah, you know, and then yeah, you up. just have a because protection just says you need a shield, right? Yeah. So you have a shield and a healer's kit. Mm-hmm. So Boom. you're running into battle, just protecting and healing. Like. Maybe maybe you have a DM that's a little bit strict, and he's like, "You got to take Warcaster," and you're like, "Fine, I'm gonna take Warcaster." Yeah, you know. But like, uh, but still, um, there's there's a lot of. I think regardless, here. you'd have to drop the shield to use the healer's kit because like you, you think so? Yeah, like you're if you're wrapping bandages and like I mean I vibe like, with it, yeah, and things like that. You can't yeah. do that with one hand. But it's a free like, action with this class, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's a free action to pull that out yeah. instead of using anything. So yeah. like you just drop your shield. Free it, it it's not even a free action. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you because anything because free yeah. actions you can only take. You can take one, one of them of, around. Around and your so free action would be to, to stow your. Well, no, because stowing your shield is an action. Donning and doffing a shield is an action. Right, but stowing a weapon is a free action. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's where we get into the like the, the nitty gritty. Um, but but yeah, this this um, subclass is. I would say is a lot of fun if you're trying to be someone because like that that's that's the perks that you're going for. You um, want something actually, like indomitable. It's an archetype. Uh. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> my apologies. Um, that's the things that you're looking for. I want to be a fighter. Why do you want to be a fighter? I want my action surge. Mm-hmm. I want a dominable. I want second wind. I want a fighting style. You know, and things you, of that. You still get all of. That. I want a D10. I want plate. You know, mm-hmm. as a cleric you would have to take certain um domains to, to get heavy armor feats you get a da or feats yeah um you don't get an action surge you don't get second one you don't get indomitable you don't get multiple attacks you don't get multiple well, attacks uh, if you're warcaster you get the bonus action second attack but yeah that's still your bonus action it's not that's, just that's, on your action you get to attack four that's times. your channel divinity for like 10 minutes isn't it or like one minute or something, something? like that yeah yeah it allows so. you to use your bonus action to attack so yeah. it's like, you know, it, it it's not terrible, but this is I don't know, it's it, this definitely with the the way of the bullet. You know, this yeah. is this is one of those classes where it's like this feels a little strong, but you can 
you could but balance if I'm for. Ba- if I'm balancing it with other strong things, and then I'm okay, we're all level five, but I'm running this for a level seven exactly, campaign. Exactly. I think this will do, or yeah. even just a level six. Yeah, just one level. Exactly. It'll, and then you if you need to give them extra hit points, you give them extra, extra points. points. Exactly. Uh, so much of DMing, we're not fudging things, but like if a combat turns into nowhere near what you thought it was, yeah, you just a lot like sure your monster hit zero this round, you just let it be up for one more round, just one more, you know, especially if the party's doing okay. Maybe something will happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe we'll feel more cinematic. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Yeah, but like you know, if it's like oh man, they just burned through all of this. Yeah. Like, and this was supposed to be a decent combat. Like, don't retcon and have monsters come back to life yeah. or anything. But maybe the last couple of ones have, are a little bit more hardened, and they're, like, the elite foes mm. of this group. Absolutely. And you just, you know, you describe it that way, that they're yeah. fighting a bit stronger than just the Just give others. everyone relentless endurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, um, have you heard of Mike Merle's uh, Rogue Acrobat? No, no. Um, it, the the third level ability is that you gain a flying speed equal to half of your movement, and you can do that twice on your turn. Damn. That's like their whole like class thing. Huh. It is super fucking overpowered. Yeah. And then like at the later levels, like it just kind of t- completely fucking falls flat. Um, he he created it for like a like a uh, extra life charity uh, thing a okay, couple years cool, ago. Cool. Um, like just for the specific character that he needed to do the one thing, right? Yeah. But like it was like flying up walls and whatnot. But I was reading it the other night, and it's it, like it's, a Peter Pan kind of. Thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like this is really overpowered, and you can do a lot with this. Um, maybe yeah, to a point. Maybe we just make this a one shot. Yeah, you know, one shot character. You wanna you wanna be fucking Iron Man? Mm-hmm. I will let you be Iron Man right. once exactly. Like, you know, maybe a reoccurring one-shot character, but for right. one-shots. That's where I have a lot of this homebrew stuff. I think it fits better yeah. for one-shots just because then the ridiculous, crazy stuff can happen, and you can have fun doing it, but then you're And DM, it feels real. But then also, as a DM, you don't get tired of your characters just or your player characters just murking literally everything you put in front of them because they have these crazy Eventually abilities you're and pull nothing the gods. Like, yeah, and you know what I mean? Like it's like this is this is insane. Like they can just murder everything in my yeah. way. I have to totally change every monster to right. make them a challenge. Like and it, or that, I that's fun. a fuck ton of traps or yeah, uh, exhaustion rules, exactly. heat, cold, and, like, whatever. And, 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 you know, that's all part of the game, but like that's also part of the crunch that I'm like, it's fun to do in small chunks that yeah. amount of crunch. But yeah. like if I'm doing a full campaign based on it, eh, that's not for me. Right. I'm sure, you know, tons of DMs out there, that sounds fucking great. That sounds like the best way to do things. But I'm sure. like, eh. like there's a, like I have enough fun with what we do now that like you know, I don't. As much as I want to see these classes in our game, I also don't want them to break our game. Exactly. And that's, that's you know, they're homebrew, so we can change the rules around. We can fiddle with them how we need. But just like I'm still, you know, I've, we've been doing this for two years, but I'm still just not crazy comfortable with making my own content. Like no. these are some of the first of like magic items that I've like half created, and that's just like I've changed small things about them from where I found them. I have. I don't think. Technically, the only magic item I have fully 100% on my own created was off the off-the-cuff comment that the tent that Rakad has oh, is yeah. a slightly bigger on the inside. Like, can fit two more people than it should based right. on the outside. You know, like, it's... That's the only, and that was off the top of my head, and it's like it's a bullshit fluff magic item because it's it's right. not like actually Lehman's Tiny Hut where you get all the benefits from it. It's just a slightly larger tent. Does he still have that? Yeah, it was in his pack and everything. Ooh. So he's got a slightly larger tent. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can fit everybody inside the tent. Nice. Uh, <laughs> tight. That's super tight. 
Um, but yeah, like um, I think you'd be able to fit everybody in the group inside the tent anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a regular size tent, but still. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like even my magic items that I created for my campaign, like those were items that I created that I would have already wanted to create, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really good that I started my characters at 14th level because otherwise those items would have been ridiculously overpowered. Yeah, well, because I mean they were granting us feats and granting us f- granting us feats, granting us plus ones, plus threes, yeah, um, multiple extra di- uh, dice damage, um, the transitioning mace, the mm. shield, like all these other things that were like. They were meant to be heroes' items. Yeah, you know, uh, and th- they were really cool. It's just you know, if you, we'd had those playing at like even like tenth level, no, super overpowered. Fucking, I mean, it, they were pretty overpowered even for fourteenth. Like having mm. plus, like having a plus two or plus three magic weapon, you're not supposed to get that shit until like four. 14th 15th 16th level mm-hmm. like not already have it like you're going on quests to right. get them at that yeah. level like magic items especially in fifth edition as written are super scarce rare. like you're not yeah. supposed to get a plus one until like level 10 yeah i think that's ridiculous which uh, like uh, we're here to play well with but that's another thing is that you know that's like, another, we, yeah we play a different game than fifth edition is written i like right. magic items that's part of the draw is being able to do all this fun amazing shit with items that shouldn't do that so like that's why we play a bit more of a high magic setting and now that you guys are in Waterdeep, i'm essentially treating it like a magic new york and like there's magic on every fucking street corner like the entire place is magic yeah and that's you know that's kind of how Waterdeep is even in the setting just because like it is the the cultural hub of Faerun essentially it's the almost napping town yeah it's uh uh yeah, it's but it's it's a lot of uh, I, I like having more magic in the game. Like yeah. that's what we're here for, and I understand that like they did it for mechanical reasons because in earlier editions you just had like a giant bag full of magic items that you just threw away essentially because right. they were so plentiful. Yeah, uh, and I get it. I get that's in the hell. That's even your in universe explanation wise. You're not finding so many anymore is because they were all been looted. Uh, right and they're they're off away adventurers aren't selling them or they've been lost in other places mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. you know and that that's cool and all but fuck man i like magic items yeah even to a certain point though if i if i had not if i had somehow gotten the D D without critical role yeah my main influence of seeing it and being like oh wow these guys are magic these guys are fucking heroes at like i mean just reading the player's handbook and seeing that you know the druid the moon druid and the monk get like magic um weapon fist whatever fucking attacks whatever word you want to yeah, use yeah. at 6th level i'd be like well at 6th level someone should at least have a magic weapon it doesn't need to be a plus, plus one, one but, it needs but it's to a be... magical weapon yeah. in the sense of overcoming resistances to non-magical damage exactly you know when and it... and i think that that's totally feasible yeah. you know and may and maybe well, and that's it has like the axe of hurling you yeah, know like and... there's no plus one to it right. but it and that's something some I loved about the uh, the Pokemon homebrew weapons that I've been reading is that there's a lot of ones that are like uncommon um, or whatnot, and it's like, yeah, they they are magic, but the only other thing you get is like you regain one hit point when you're standing in sunlight for ten seconds or longer, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like, oh, okay, so that's every like two rounds, and then it would be four rounds that you get another one plus one mm. or two more rounds right it's every two rounds you'd be getting another plus one and because that's in the fifth round you would get uh, you would get one more because you would be at 30 at that point mm-hmm. but it's like 
I, I liked that mentality where it was like you're, you're not getting any extra damage, but technically it is magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and that's that's where the fun comes in of, of the homebrew stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I, I'm excited to like bring in some more items that aren't placed in there as written. However, that's going to have to be you know deeper into the dungeon, uh, at least in a yeah. dungeon of the Mad Mage, because you know the first level is not going to have the cool shit. No, like, no, I, I imagine we're going to have to get to at least the fourth level before we start seeing stuff that is like. Fuck yeah, this is what we came here for. Yeah, well, uh, that's my opinion. You guys will find out, and hopefully, we will be playing uh, that this weekend. I still haven't yeah. heard confirmation from everybody, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be there. Yeah, Dungeon Not of the sure Mad Mage, if it'll be here or there. It'll probably be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but uh, this has been another lovely episode of Dungeons and Doobies. I have been Ian, and I'm Hunter. Uh, you can get a hold of us on uh, social media: Facebook, uh, fucking Instagram. Uh, you can also uh, shoot us a line over at dungeons.doobies at gmail.com. Uh, we're always down to, you know, talk about subjects you guys want us to talk about. Um, I think we're going to focus in here uh, and possibly do... Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this, actually, because we both have kind of a, a, a grasp on some of the races, some of the classes. Mm. So instead of doing that, let's delve into something that we both really don't have a huge grasp on, and that's religion in Faerun. Yeah, I think I'm that's. Down. I think I've that's actually place, been reading about that a lot. I think that's a good place for us to go, and we'll start like going through with the gods. And uh, I think that's a, a pretty decent place for us to do things because, like, that's something that like I definitely need to know more about. Being that we've been playing with a lot of paladins and clerics, yeah. and like what that interaction between them all is, and what certain gods kind of act like. I mean, like I've got a general vague idea of how certain gods act, but like knowing their history, knowing what they did, yeah. like I think I think that's something that do we you, should focus in on here. Do you remember Corey's god? Uh no, not the Ilmater. Yeah, Ilmater. Um, right. I recently saw a video with the WebDM guys. They went to a Gen Con or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and they were dressed up as monks of the Ilmater, oh, like clerics cool. of the Ilmater. These guys are like bloody as fuck. Yeah, I did not realize that that's what the Ilmater was. If I had like just looked that up, yeah, Corey would have had a lot more like decorum on him, mm-hmm. where he like he would have had like the red bands. Like maybe that would have been his like spell casting focus, where he like puts his wrists together. Yeah, yeah. You know, like maybe he. So exactly. maybe he cuts himself. I don't know. This like, but to, to sacrifice blood to the Elmater. It's definitely something that we both don't yeah. know enough about. So I think we're gonna do maybe not next week, but we're gonna we're gonna work it out, and we're gonna going to start doing a uh, series on the religions of uh, Feyre and the Forgotten Realms. Uh, but yeah, um, once again, you can get a hold of us at dungeons.doobies at gmail uh, As always, don't forget to love each other. We love you all. Uh, yeah. Be good to one another and uh, stay smoking, everybody. Yeah. Dungeons and Doobies.